Hello and welcome to an all new episode of The Spotlight. I am one of your hosts, Kente, all the way live from Los Angeles, California, and I am so happy to be here with you. Um, we have so much to talk about, but before we get deep into the the subjects for the tonight, let me introduce my wonderful panel. I'm going to start off with the one and only Jen. How you doing, Jen? Hey, I'm great. I'm so excited to talk about everything that we're going to talk about today. All right. And I'm so happy that you are here. And also joining us uh, once again, our re uh, one of our returning champs, we have Sherry. How you doing, Sherry? Hi, I'm good. Glad to be here. Thank uh, you. All right. Thank you for being here with us. Um, as we said, we, we have a lot to talk about today. Um, the, the main topic for tonight, we're going to talk about the Harvey Weinstein situation and and about the Hollywood casting couch uh, overall. And, you know, and obviously the casting couch doesn't just, uh, you know, it's not just in Hollywood. I mean, you can go to any business. Uh, it's very prevalent. So, uh, uh oh, uh, um, they say I'm breaking up. How do I sound now? Do I sound better? Hello? Oh, okay. Uh, I'm still breaking up. Let me do something, and you gotta love live radio. <clears throat> All right. You're still breaking up a bit. All right, what about now? How do I sound? That sounds a bit better. Okay, maybe I was a little too close. All right, so um, let's before we get into like our main topic, uh, I wanted to talk. Today is Friday the thirteenth, and uh, Friday the thirteenth is one of those days that uh, remains in infamy. Uh, it's you know it's supposed to be a an unlucky day, and. Um, Today, there's a lot of stuff, you know, that they put online about the day specifically. And, of course, there's a very famous movie franchise uh, that shares that day, which is uh, Friday the 13th, um, the Jason saga, <laughs> Jason Voorhees. And uh, I wanted to, before before we um, get into our main topic, I wanted to, to ask our panel, uh, uh, have they... Are they have they watched all the Jason uh, Friday Thirteenth movies? We'll start with you, Jen. Oh yeah, I'm a huge horror fan. I I've watched everything. I've even watched the horrible remakes, which yeah, we can barely talk about, but <clears throat> I've watched them all. Okay, what about you, Sherry? I think I've seen the first couple because I used to watch a lot of horror, um, but then at some point I stopped. So I've only seen the first couple, but yeah, the minute my son had asked me, he came to me and said, well, who's Jason? Is Jason a real man? I said, no, he's a character. And of course, I remember saying, I said, Jason Voorhees. And I was like, everybody remembers that, even if you only saw the first one. So yeah, I remember it. It was great. They had their list. I think it was Watch Mojo or something like that. Of They listed from worst the best and um they said the worst one was in fact the 2009 remake which i never saw the 2009 remake 
but from what I saw, like the little highlights of it or lowlights, yeah, they really took liberties with the Jason character. You know, they okay. had they had him kidnapping the, the, people. The the best part of that movie had to have been Jared Padalecki being in it because you couldn't possibly help but see him and see Sam. You just couldn't. Yeah, I had to see Sam Winchester in him. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, I didn't even know he was in it, but from what I saw, they had Jason was uh, he was kidnapping people. I'm like, what? Jason kidnapping? You know, <laughs> all he does is murder. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and they had uh, he had a layer and all of this stuff, and uh, it looked crazy. So that was they said that was the worst one, which I thought was pretty interesting because it- there's been some pretty bad ones. Well, you know what? I think it was the worst because it because it totally deviated from the source material. I mean, at least all the other bad ones basically kept the Jason story intact, and this one, it it just went off the rails. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and then I'll I'll just skip to the first. They had uh, the Jason Four, which was the new beginning, the one that had Corey Feldman in it, which was. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, the final chapter. Not, I'm sorry, not the new beginning, but the final chapter, um, which was supposed to be the end of Jason. And of course, you know, that we knew that wasn't going to happen, right? So uh, uh, they said that was the best one. And you know what? I had to think about it. You know, I would say that one was up there, the uh, new beginning. Uh, you know, I-, I thought four through seven wasn't that bad you know if you I mean if you're looking for Shakespeare then no (laughs) you know but for what they are I thought four (laughs) through five was pretty good I I would say four I'm I'm sorry four through seven you know when they went to Manhattan that was one of my favorite Mm -hmm. oh yeah go ahead sorry no no go ahead I was done I I was just gonna say one of my favorite one of my favorite crossovers is was the Freddy versus Jason, which I I know nobody else liked it, but I, it was such a good sort of return to what makes horror movies and slasher films so tropey to begin with. It, I, it was actually fun. I liked it. I, you know what? I I liked the movie. I mean, the movie, like if you were expecting something truly awesome and Academy Award winning, then you weren't going to get it. But I thought it was really good. It gave the fans what they wanted. It was funny. You know, when they faced off, it was pretty cool. I think it was enough of the face. Because a lot of these movies, it's like a bunch of stuff you don't care about. And then at the very end is when the two characters face off. But I thought that, uh, you know, they gave it like, you know, in the middle of the film, they had a good fight. And then at the very end was an epic fight. And I thought it was pretty cool. And I thought it went the way that it should have, you know. Uh, I thought it went exactly the way it should have. And... You know, it was pretty good. I have to say, there was in that movie one of the worst uh, movie characters of all time. And it was a sister, too, Kelly Rowland of Destiny's Child. She played one of the most annoying characters ever. And you know, as a black person, I don't normally root for the black person to die in the movie. (laughs) But uh, I think I was like, uh, please, Jason. Uh, come get her off the screen. <laughs> oh, her character was so horrible. I was yeah, just like, oh, she was, she was so annoying. So, uh, but yeah, that was a good movie. But uh, the one seven was the one with the girl with the the um, the uh, the powers, the uh, telekinetic powers. 
And, you know, that, I thought that was pretty cool, you know? Oh, yeah. That was pretty good. They, they tried some different stuff. Uh, it was funny, though, like, because I haven't seen these movies in a while, and they were showing some of the things in it that I kind of forgot about. And I think it was episode six, or sorry, episode six. I'm so used to talking about TV shows. It was uh, uh, the number six, uh, where they had the Tommy Jarvis character open up his casket, sticking with a spike, like a metal like spear or something, and then throw in his mask and his uh, his uh, machete, which made no sense. And then, you know, because he's trying to kill him again, even though he's dead. And then, of course, lightning strikes it and wakes him up. <laughs> and now he has his machete and mask right there. He doesn't even have to look for it, you know. That, was that the was that the, the Jason Lives one? Yes, the, Jason Lives. I remember that. Jason Lives, yes, yes. So, yeah, so... A little, a little homage to Frankenstein going on in there. Mm-hmm. I, it, it was actually pretty clever when you think about it. It was. It was. You know, it was... It, you know, and remember, though, his little little uh, did you know that um, in, in the original Friday the 13th, which we all know didn't feature Jason as the killer but his mother, but it also starred a young Kevin Bacon... He was in that movie. He was actually, uh, um, you know, one of his victims in the movie. Uh, spoiler alert. So I think that was one of his first films, uh, Kevin Bacon. So, uh, and uh, of course, in the first Nightmare on Elm Street, Johnny Depp was in it. So that's a little something, you know, to, uh, <laughs> to uh, you know, in case people didn't know that. So, so Friday the 13th. Um, so, I, I would say maybe seven might be my favorite. Uh, do you remember which one was your favorite? We'll start with you, John. Uh, for me, mm-hmm. it, it was definitely the first one. The first one, okay. The one that started it all, okay. And uh, what about you, Sherry? Oh, yeah. Definitely, I think the first one was the best one for me, too. Yeah, I would say the first one. Now, now, there's a couple of things, though, about Friday the 13th is, you know, one of the worst, that must have been the worst camp of all time, where the the camp counselors were too busy screwing each other to uh, save a boy from drowning. You know, it's like, you know, it's like, uh, yes, they were terrible. They deserved, he needed to come back and kill those people. You know, uh, but you know, it's funny though, when the whole Freddy versus Jason uh, came up and it was this debate, who was better, Freddy or Jason? And I remember, you know, I was, I think I was always more of a Freddy guy. And then, but then you're first with the really looking at you know which character you like the best, and Freddie has an advantage because he talks right and he's funny and he does the one-liners and stuff. But um, the thing though that uh, made me go over to Jason because when you start breaking down their um, their backstory, you know you actually kind of feel sorry for Jason. He was you know a kid with you know uh, um, what did he, I think he was was he was he like. Uh, uh, retard he had retardation or something like that or he he had special needs or something to that effect and you know he was you know he's like a victim he's like the story of the wimpy kid who comes back to get all the bullies right so you can kind of feel like 
you can kind of feel sorry for Jason on some levels, right? Freddie was just a sick bastard uh, child molester, you know, like, you know, it's like, why would I root for for Freddie? You know, like, like, when you start going into his background, you're like, forget Freddie. He's he's terrible. He's horrible. So I think the uh the thing that the thing that separates the Friday the 13th franchise from the uh, from the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, in my opinion, is the Friday or the the Friday the 13th part of it really established the ingrained kind of ideas about okay we're going to lay down some some foundations for slasher flicks that are going to last for the next 20 something years and and it really did you know every single time that formula seemed to pick up on some part of the psyche that was like yeah okay this is how we're going to do it and and a nightmare on elm street went in a little bit of a different direction they definitely went in a more psychological direction and friday the 13th stayed really true to those roots of yep this is what happens then this happens you know uh, any any teenage sex is immediately punished by death you gruesome that kind of stuff mm-hmm. so in some ways it was pretty groundbreaking yes and um but I would have to say, though, my favorite of the all the slashers is Halloween. Uh, I think out of, you know, I would say Michael Myers. Uh, and I would say out of all of those movies, Halloween, Friday 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween one is by far the superior of all, any of any of the, the, the those movies put together. Uh, John Carpenter's Halloween is so good. I recently watched it like the end of last year again. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, it's like one of those movies that it still holds up, you know, it's very well-made movie. And I think the, I think, um, that movie suffers, the sequel suffer from not having him. I don't remember seeing Halloween. I don't recall ever seeing that one, but something funny back then how good a horror movie was when I went to watch it with friends is whether or not it had this ability to make you talk out loud to the screen. Do you remember that? You remember you'd go to the movie theater and there'd always be those people that would talk out loud to the screen where you'd be like, shut the heck up. Well, that was me and my friends. We talked to the screen all the time. And Friday the 13th, we did it. It was always like, you know you're going to get killed. What are you doing? Run! But Freddy, I couldn't get into Freddy because Freddy was that one that made me think somebody's going to be invading my dreams. Um, I did not like Freddy Krueger for that reason. I don't need to go to sleep thinking somebody's going to invade my dreams. No, that that ain't that ain't cool. <laughs> not at all. Yeah. <laughs> Not at all, but uh, yeah, I had to bring it up because it is uh, Friday the 13th, and uh, so, you know, if you guys are listening to this, put in the uh, comment section which was your favorite Friday the 13th movie. So, uh, one more thing before we get to uh, our main topic tonight, and um, let me ask you guys a question. You know, we've talked about a lot of different topics on this show. And uh, 
I don't know. Do you do you ladies like to go out every once in a while, or you know, or maybe at a function, have a drink? Yeah. 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 All right. Let me ask you a question. What would you feel if the bartender was not human? It was in fact a robot. Would you would you have issues with letting a robot uh, make your drinks for you? I wouldn't. I would have issues with it, but then I just you know I just for a moment there went back to a place. I went back to a moment just there because I've been like, ages ago to clubs where you know there was the hot cute bartender and it was an added bonus. But there'd be no added bonus for me, although my drink would probably always be right. Hopefully, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, my drink would always be right. Um, I don't know. It, it would be impersonal. I like it. I like it being personal. Well, it's a, I'm going to read an article. It says, uh, with the gadgetry worth of a James Bond movie... The bar of the future has arrived in Las Vegas, and you don't have to be a spy to get your martini shaken, not stirred by a robot. Two robotic arms have replaced bartenders at the tipsy robot at the Miracle Mile shops. They can't listen to your woes, but they promise to make you the perfect cocktail. The tipsy robot, which opened, uh, this was in July, claims to be the world's first land-based bar to deploy robot bartenders. If the technology sounds very sounds vaguely familiar, that's because it has been used on ro uh, Royal Caribbean cruise ships. I didn't even know that. Yeah. Here, using uh, tablets, guests select their drinks, which could uh, be as ordinary as gin and tonic or fancy as a signature cocktail. You pay the tab by swiping your credit card or giving cash to the, a human employee. It takes the robot 90 seconds or less to prepare each drink, uh, each beverage, uh, even if they need to cut a slice of lemon or lime as a garnish. Once a cocktail is ready, the guest's name appears on the large screen. Patrons then scan a QR code that has been sent to their cell phones to collect their drink. To communicate with a robot, that's the fun part, said owner. Said the owner. The robots are here to be an attraction and entertainment. And and entertain they do. When not busy making drinks, the robotic arms dance to the music being played. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, the potential for human error is eliminated. The robots are programmed to blend precise quantities and put exactly the right amount of booze, mixers, and ice in the 12-ounce plastic cups. Take, for instance, a galactic grapefruit, one of the tipsy robots, custom cocktails to make it a computer tells the robot to mix seven parts of ice with uh, two parts of... Uh, uh, Casa, Dragon, Casa Dragons uh, two parts um, Tres how do you say this? Uh, Vagans Mixer one part uh, Club Soda one part Sprite one half of part Fruitations Grapefruit Mixer and Lime guests can create their own cocktails blending booze from among the dozens of uh, bottles hanging from the ceiling 
with 16 types of fruit syrups and soda. So, now that I've told you about this bar, does this sound like a place that you might want to go, uh, Sherry? Let's start with you. Yeah, you know what? Because I would like to be there that night when there is a malfunction <laughs> and it's making a drink that is one of those flaming drinks. <laughs> I want to be there the night that malfunctions because it's going to be pretty funny. (laughs) It sounds a lot like it sounds a lot like Blade Runner meets cocktail. (laughs) That's a good one. Yeah, Blade Runner meets cocktail. Yes. Well, you know, uh, I mean, do you tip though? Like, do you tip the bartender? We were talking about the about the drone delivering the pizza. Uh, Do you tip the bartender or do you you know? Or what do you tip the bartender? Maybe you just give them a little, you know, maybe there is, um, there's a um, dispenser machine where you could put a quarter in and get a little vial of uh, lubrication <laughs> to tip them. <laughs> <laughs> does it, uh, now, does it know if you're underage? I mean, I guess that job is done, you know, to get into the place, I guess. So I guess that wouldn't be an issue. But uh, I, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. I, let me ask Jen this question. Um, things are getting much more um, robotic, right? Like, I don't know. Like, out here, you know, they used to have parking lot attendants, right? That that you would go and you pay after you park. Now it's all automated, right? Um, you know, Uber, we talked about this before. Uber is, is testing out um, driverless cars uber cars right and they say that that's coming like in the next couple of years uh you also have a, we talked about the the eye sitter or i know I'm, I'm saying this wrong but it's basically a robot that will babysit your child you know it's like you know i kind of feel like we're going into skynet territory you know yeah <laughs> you know like is this the first the beginnings of a uh, terminator uh scenario uh jen well you know I, I for a while this i mean like you know back a couple of years ago i i used to rail against all this technology thinking oh my god you know how much more invasive can technology get in our lives but i don't know after a while i just started accepting the fact that yeah you know what this is just going to be the way that it is so we might as well embrace it and figure out what to do with it and make it better my only concern and and this sort of has even to do with that robot at the bar is is and i mean i've read enough isaac asimov science fiction to sort of be a little bit cautious and skeptic about this how far does this technology go to track us? Like, so does the robot at the bar automatically know what we're going to drink the next time it comes in because it scans our <laughs> retina? And then, you know, could that maybe be used in a court of law later because you said you were someplace and you weren't really there or whatever? That's the kind of stuff that I, that that's the kind of stuff that keeps me up at night. Yeah. I don't, you know, I mean, one thing a bartender does too, though, is if you had too many to drink, you know, it will, you know, uh, in theory, a good bartender is not going to sell you any more alcohol. Will this, you know, will the tipsy robot, <laughs> will he do that as well? Or will he uh, administer a, a breathalyzer, you know, against your will or something like that? I don't, you know, that that's another thing. I mean, there's a lot to think about. I mean, it sounds cool, you know. But then there's the human 
cost because then that's a job that's no longer there, you know, too. So, you know, you know Kinte, the, the, this not to always bring everything back to TV or some fictional world, but, you know, this is sort of the the at the epicenter of Westworld, mm-hmm. not quite exactly, you know, on the same, but real parallel, like, the you know, the, the real world questions of how far does robot technology ai really how far does it actually how far are we willing to let it permeate our entire lives and there's a whole lot of questions that keep coming up in our fiction in our tv shows in our movies even in blade runner um and in westworld and in a whole bunch of others so clearly it is on our minds we are all thinking about this even if we're not addressing it every day we are clearly thinking about it yeah, I mean, you know, like you said, that's that's really awesome too. Uh, Westworld, which is a first of all, it's a brilliant adaptation of the uh, the original source material, which I've been calling for a Westworld TV show for a long time, and I've been calling for HBO to do it. And very few times in life you get exactly what you want. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I mean, this is something I've been saying for a long time. I'm sure I did this podcast years, going years back, where they asked me where, what, sh- you know, what's something that should be rebooted. And I've always thought Westworld was, uh, you know, before its time. And it kind of suffered. The movie suffers from, you know, being way ahead of its time. You know, the the things that the shortcomings of Westworld. I, you know, I never did see Future World, but, um, you know, but I, I've I always felt like that. And I think that uh, Terminator talks about this as well as The Matrix. You know, The Matrix is like the sequel to The Terminator, you know. So, uh, you know, it's very interesting. And, you know, right now it starts off, it starts off cute, like, like, like Planet of the Apes, right? It starts off, you know, there was no more dogs. So we, we uh, used... Um, apes as pets and then somehow the apes became our masters you know like you know so uh that's how it always starts out right you know it's look at this cute robot and next thing you know he's butchering you in the middle of the night (laughs) so so you know we'll see all right so uh that is that and we'll put that um the story up in our show notes so let's get to the topic at hand and um this topic is real heavy stuff, and uh, there's so many layers to it. So uh, I'm going to first start off by this. Um, there there was a movie studio that really rose to fame in the, so the indie market and became major uh, called Miramax. We are, are very familiar with Miramax, right? And they produce films like Pulp Fiction, Clerks, uh, Goodwill Hunting, Shakespeare in Love. Uh, I think they even did Nanny McPhee. I believe Dimension Films was like a subsidiary of um, Miramax and that produced like Scream and, you know, just like, you know, really awesome movies. The English Patient. And they won you know, countless Academy Awards, launched careers like Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow cited Miramax as pushing her career. And, you know, they did, a you know, amazing stuff. And at the forefront of this company are two men uh, who are brothers, Bob 
and uh, Harvey Weinstein, and uh, who now front the Harvey the Weinstein Company, and um, Harvey Weinstein has been known for a couple of things. Uh, he was known for being, you know, an awesome, you know, producer, you know, as far as, you know, finding the right project to, you know, to bring to the screen and also, you know, launching careers. And he was also known as a real hard ass, a guy who doesn't take no for, you know, for an answer uh, when it comes to his work. You know, he's also known as a very as a liberal philanthropist, you know, uh, giving a lot of money to liberal causes and whatnot. And um, so I'm saying all this to say this. Uh, it was pretty well known that he was a, he's an asshole. <laughs> like, I mean, even people who didn't know about, you know, the sexual abuse uh, that's now being chronicled, it was known that he was an asshole. And it's, you know, it's not known exactly how big of an asshole that a lot of people knew, but they knew he was definitely that. And recently it's come out that he used his power, his wealth, his influence, star-making power to, one sexually assault women uh there's you know some women are claiming that he raped her, them um he did you know you know just really horrific things and if you know anything about hollywood or the, you know that business or the music industry or just about any industry you know that sexual harassment is one of the biggest problems within the industry it's one of the, the things that, you know, you know that when you go to that industry, that it's a lot of quid pro quo, a lot of if you do something for me, I'll do something for you and whatnot. And these people are really powerful. And um, I know that. Uh, do you guys remember the movie Quiz Show? Uh, Jen, do you remember the movie Quiz Show starring uh, Ray Fiennes? Oh, you're on mute, uh, Jen. Uh-oh, Jen? Okay, we'll wait for Jen to come back. Um, there was a movie called Quiz Show, and Quiz Show was basically about... The, it was a, a game show back in the day, and there was a guy that was on this game show for who kept winning weeks after week after week. And it came out later that they basically were giving him the answers and, you know, they were basically, cause it, it made the show more popular cause this guy kept winning. Right. And when the scandal broke and, you know, I mean, this was like a big scandal back in the day. It's a great movie too. Um, these two guys that were producers, end up taking the fall. And so there was like this investigator who was trying to get the studio to take the fall. Cause it was really, they, they were the ones that were doing it. And they, they, they said the reason why they were taking the fall was the public has a short memory 
but the studios have a long memory. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, they yeah. weren't going to ever forget that they didn't take the fall. So they knew that if they they did the um, you know they did the, the the time or whatnot, they knew that uh, they were going to get you know get off. I mean, I'm sorry, they were going to get they were going to get back into the uh, into Hollywood and. Right. That scene always resonated with me. Let me see if we can get uh, Jen back. Let's see. I, th- I think she's having some technical difficulties. All right. So we'll see if we can get her back. Oh, wow. I sent it like eight times. <laughs> the link to get back. That 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 scene always resonated with me because... You know, the public does have a short memory, right? Like, yeah. uh, look at Trayvon Martin, right? People then yeah. almost forgot about Trayvon Martin, right? You know, like, it, yeah. no one talks about it anymore. It's almost like that never happened. And uh, so this situation, you know, uh, you know, of uh, Harvey Weinstein, it made me think about this, that no, all these people knew... Mm-hmm. All these people were victims, but no one said anything because, you know, they didn't want to lose their their place, you know, in yeah. the industry. And you Even, know, and it's here. did you see what Jane Fonda um, had to say in an interview about it? No, uh, what did she say? She um, basically said, admitted that she knew, mm. and she said, "Well, yeah, I heard the rumors. I basically knew what was going on." And when the interviewer asked her, well, why didn't you say anything um, or try to say anything? She said, well, it didn't happen to me. She said, you have to understand, by the time I found out, she goes, I was old already. He goes, she said, he's not into old women. He's into young women. So he didn't make a play on me. Mm. So she basically said, I didn't think it was really my place to tell it my place to try to come out because he didn't make a move on me because he's not into old women. But she did say that she feels bad now that she didn't, mm-hmm. you know, and she's glad that somebody did. And now that's why she's kind of standing up and saying, yeah, I knew about it too, but I didn't say anything. So many people are now coming out and saying, I knew I didn't say anything for a reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the fear is there—the fear of um, of losing your career and no one believing you, and you becoming a pariah—is there. And you know, and other people who have that power, they kind of look out for each other. You know, so you do it to some. Let's say you 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 out Harvey, right? Then the next guy who has that power is not going to hire you because you know you you know. Cause that's not how we want to operate. Uh, let me see, uh, Jen, uh, Jen. Are you are you there? I'm here. Oh, there we go. So uh, yeah, we're talking about. Can you hear um, me? Yes, now we can hear you. We're talking about Jane Fonda uh, saying that she knew, and um, you know she regretted not saying anything about it. Wow. But now- Jane Fonda, that's way back in the. Yeah, but she said that. Her excuse was age. 
because she said at the time that she found out she was already older you know an age that Harvey Weinstein does not go after and so what she's saying is she didn't feel it was her place to tell it it wasn't her story she wasn't the victim so she used the excuse that she felt it wasn't her place to tell it wasn't her place to like speak up that the whoever was his victims needed to be the ones to speak up mm. wow um i was See, th- oh, this is ahead. really complicated i mean mm-hmm. on, on the one hand it's so easy to well i don't want to say easy none of this is easy but on the one hand you know you have to be careful that you don't sort of move into victim blaming and you know yeah everybody's got sort of a uh, their own agenda and i don't even mean that you know it's just a everybody has their own set of sort of the way that they have to behave in order to maintain their own integrity but then you know if your livelihood is depending on this if there's something else going on like it's really it's so easy to sort of sit back and judge but it's so hard to sort of be in the middle and decide you know hey what was really going on the one thing that i will say that i think is really different is that without dragging a whole bunch of politics into stuff but you know we have a lot of people at the very top of our government who behave in a way that seems to suggest that appropriate with people is okay and and i don't just mean the very top i mean you know there's all there's always a scandal there's a scandal every year about people being sexually inappropriate and we as a society seem to just accept that and go oh yeah that's those crazy government that's like that those are those crazy senators those are those crazy uh house whatever that's wrong like as a society we have to stop saying that stuff and i'm not saying that it takes anything away from what happened with harvey weinstein but you know he's super high profile this stuff is happening every day to people all over the country and they don't have the same kind of voice that people in hollywood do that is also what she did say she said that you can't really just talk about hollywood because she said this is going on everywhere and she started talking about this is this is an issue everywhere in every industry. Um, Men having this power and I can't remember how she put it. She put it very nicely, but she did say, you know, let's not think that it's just a Hollywood issue. This is going on in other areas. It could be a dentist and a dental assistant. Um, you know, it, it, it could be a clothing store, a manager, and a cashier, you know, but that is true. Um, it is, it, this is going on everywhere. It's just worse probably in the entertainment industry. Yeah, you know, my thing too about that is, you know, I get what they're saying and I agree. And, you know, I even said that in the intro, but... You know, we are, but in this case, we are talking specifically about Hollywood. So, you know what I mean? Like, so I think sometimes when they do that, they kind of do that to kind of deflect the conversation. I mean, you can do, you know, of course, it's it's in all walks of life, but in this, but it's specifically a huge issue within Hollywood. 
And, you know, and I think I want to, you know, we want to uh, focus on that specifically because if you know any, you know, young lady, um, sometimes not so young lady um, who's been in the business for a minute, you know, the vast majority of them have stories, you know, of being um, either groped, assaulted or just, you know, something, you know, happening to them that definitely should not have. And um, it is so commonplace. We just kind of accept it, you know, in a way, because, you know, that's how the the nature of the beast and uh, people like Harvey Weinstein, you know, of course, he's not the only one. But, uh, you know, predators such as him, you know, they feast on on this. You know, that's one of the reasons why they like to be in in this position. Do you know um, what's the um, I don't know if you've ever seen Charmed. Um, I can't remember the actress's name um, that Rose McGowan. Um, which one? Rose McGowan. Yes. Now, she's the one that did try to speak up to say that he raped her. And they yeah. wouldn't, no one, I guess, at the company would listen to her. Um, and she had some type of script that was supposed to be being picked up or something. And something happened with that. But um, she actually did try to speak up. Um, it didn't seem to hurt her career, her trying to speak up. But maybe that's only because it didn't go anywhere. You know what I mean? Her trying to speak up, literally, uh, she wasn't ever, it, it didn't make it into the media. It was never her. Yeah. And so maybe that's why it didn't hurt her career. Well, also, he he would kill stories. He killed stories with the media because, you know, he had that kind of pull. So, um, you know, a lot of the times when stories were going to come out, he, he had the power and the influence to have those stories killed. So, you know, that's, you know, that's what he was able to do. And there's something that I saw on TMZ of all places. And TMZ has been doing some interesting reporting on this where he signed a new contract in 2015 and the language in the contract essentially said that he could he he could uh sexually harass somebody as long as he was willing to pay a fine so the first time he did it he would pay 250,000 the second would be 250 uh 500,000 and i think the third was like a million or something like that and uh, I mean, it's like really grotesque. And it, it, I mean, it had all these things that if he did, he essentially would be okay as long as he was willing to pay for whatever. So it was he, that he basically did. signed the contract and went. Here's my first million. <laughs> Pretty much, yes, <laughs> yes. So when Bob uh, Weinstein sits there and says he's shocked and appalled by his brother's actions, it's like, dude, you paid off like eight different women. Mm-hmm. Don't act like you didn't know. Right. You know, don't act like you know. You, of course, you know. I mean, of course, you knew what your brother was doing. It's not a situation like, you know, like myself where I haven't talked to my brother in like a year. You know what I'm saying? Like you work directly with your brother. You are, you are entwined in his business. You guys started a company, a multi-million dollar company together, billion dollar company together. So don't miss me with that. 
Yeah, that, that, that's, that's what bothers me the most about this story. What bothers me the most about this story is actually the story of the board. Uh, you know, for them to act so, oh my God, after everything came out was really disingenuous. Because we already know that they, they must have had access to the financials. They must have had access to know, you know, sort of like, I mean, despite the fact that everybody just sort of, quote unquote, knew what was happening. It's still, the board has such a, an incredible... I, I have to agree with the one of the articles that I read. Uh, I think that they should just dissolve the board. Figure out what to do from there, but dissolve the entire board. It's not enough to, hop, to just fire the guy. I think you actually need to restructure. You know, I really believe this, that some of the worst people in the world are enablers. Like, yes, you have the person that commits the crime. You have the person who does the dirty deed. But then a lot of those people have enablers. They have people, whether it's in their family, whether it's their board, whether it's uh, HR or whatever, that enables them to do the crap that they do. Um, I'm going to veer off from um, from Harvey Weinstein for a second. And we'll get back on there. But um, I posted in the uh, event, I don't know if you guys seen it, but um, the last couple of weeks, I've been watching uh, this YouTube channel quite a lot called um, Screen Junkies. And uh, they do this series called Honest Trailers. And I'd seen Honest Trailers before and I liked it. But oddly enough, like the last like two, three weeks, I've been like really watching it a lot. Right. Uh, just, you know, it's very funny. Uh, if you haven't seen an Honest Trailer, just check it out. It's very entertaining. And um I started watching the other things they had other than screen junkies. And um, I come to start to, you know, to really like their, their cast. I think their cast is really, uh, really awesome. And uh, the creators of honest trailer, who is like the, the main content creator for screen junkies is a guy named Andy Signor. And, you know, I started really liking, you know, he, I thought he was funny. Seems like a nice guy and everything. Right. So the last week, I noticed that in my subscriptions, I that there was no Screen Junkies uh, content. And I thought that was strange, especially because the fact that the, the Star Wars trailer came out. Right? And, um, oh, just to let people know who, don't, who may not know, the screaming in the back is uh, Sherry's uh, son. He's playing video games. So it, he's not getting murdered. So don't <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> not yet. It's funny. So if anybody's like, I can't believe they're doing a show and some kid is back there screaming like <laughs> getting murdered. But uh, just in case people were wondering, that, don't worry. It's just a kid having fun. Um, but no. Um, so, so when the star Wars trailer came out and there was nothing from screen junkies, I thought it was kind of, kind of odd, right? Because you know, it's very nerd centric stuff, right? And they always jump on all of these things. So I'm doing my research about Weinstein and then someone mentioned, yeah, and they fired Andy Signore from screen junkies. I was like, what? You know, I was like, what? I mean, I just started really watching it. So I went and typed his name in, and I started reading all these stories and it come to find out dude uh, dude was a mini Weinstein and the only reason when I say mini Weinstein because he didn't have 
you know, he he wasn't as powerful in the industry as he, but he was, you know, powerful because he, you know, he ran Screen Junkies, which was a big YouTube platform. I'm talking about like big platform. I think Lionsgate is one of their backers and stuff. So apparently uh, Andy, who, you know, who presented himself as like Mr. Rogers, you know, I have a wife and kids and I just love my wife and we're going to go watch movies together and all of this stuff. Um, uh, apparently this guy was a raging asshole. Excuse my French, even though that wasn't French. He was sexually harassing his female co-workers. He was, uh, you know, uh, propositioning them for sex. He uh, was saying that if you have sex with me, I'll give you, I'll put you on screen junkies. Uh, one one woman that worked at Screen Junkies, her boyfriend was a, a an on air personality and behind the scenes, and he threatened this guy named JTE. She he threatened if she told on him about his harassment, which had been going on for a while, that he would lose his job, that he would have him fired, and uh, and the claims the claims went that he apparently had this dildo that he kept with him and he would try to forcibly, uh, excuse, you know, um, this is a little vulgar, but he tried to stick it in women. Uh, you know, he tried to stick it in them basically against their wills. Um, and this guy was just way, you know, lo- you know, this guy was, uh, crazy and HR tried to keep him, you know, they tried to keep him, but, um, it, it just got too much stuff came out, so they had to let him go, right? And um, they didn't want to, but you know they knew they had to. And um, the thing was, is most of their content came from him, you know, mainly. So he was considered, you know, like a, a, a commodity that he just couldn't let go, right? And that was why uh, it took them so long finally to let him go. But it just speaks to that Harvey Weinstein was up here, right? Then you have this guy, Andy Signor, who was a YouTube, you know, on the YouTube level. And he exhibited essentially the same pattern of behavior. You know, even his even went to the fans, you know, that uh, he would he would try to proposition fans you know for sex and uh, it really speaks to at all levels in the industry this is going on and uh, another person that I don't know if you guys know I didn't include this in the show notes is I don't know if you guys know Harry Knowles of Ain't It Cool News uh, uh, he had to step down he, he had to step down because of the same thing if you know Harry Knowles um, so so, and there's a couple of other uh, people as well. So it really speaks to at all levels. So you're thinking, okay, well, I guess I won't start getting harassed until I get to like, you know, Sony or Lionsgate or, you know, like, no, you get harassed on all levels of the industry. It's not just uh, at the top. You know, he, he was sexually harassing unpaid uh, workers, you know, like people that weren't even getting a check. You know, so um, I just want uh, you ladies to speak to just 
this cesspool of uh, behavior. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start with you, Jen. I'm just. What do you think about all this? This is this is insane. Well, you know, I'm, I'm going to backtrack just for one second and say mm-hmm. the thing also that just bugs me to death about the Harvey Weinstein thing is that if you if you read the articles about what he personally takes culpability for, it it's like you know he says on the one hand, oh yeah, you know, I'm I'm, I'm such a sick person, I have so many. I have this disorder, I have this sex addiction, and please give me another chance. If you just give me another chance, everything's going to be okay. And in in my head, you know, that to me is like handing the keys of your brand new SUV to somebody who's convicted of drunk driving 16 times. Like, there's just no, the logic in this just doesn't make any sense. But but this is how it works, right? Power has such a huge influence on uh i think on the entire entertainment industry but i I would also like to say that you know this one's big but i know that there are people in hollywood that do not do this i know that there are people that behave with uh with the integrity that we would expect for a normal person to behave with so uh, before we you know sort of like trash all of Hollywood, I, I feel like it is important to say that the, although this is really prevalent, it's not like every single person is involved, but we don't hear about the good stuff. We hear about the bad stuff. And the, and I think that that is really important. I mean, we, I don't know, I'm, I'm trying to explain sort of why this is so troubling because it doesn't feel like there's any end in sight. Like there's no way to sort of you can't stem the 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 flow of this because it's already happened. It's already in the past. There's so much, but maybe we can stop it from happening now. Maybe we can stop. Uh, maybe you know when people sign contract, like you just said, you know he signed a contract that basically said, oh yeah, okay, it's okay, it's it's all right if you. Uh, sexually harass somebody as long as you're willing to foot the bill. Wait, what? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's pretty bad. And and please don't take me laughing, uh, people that are listening, as uh, me not being sensitive to it. It's one of those situations where you gotta laugh to keep from crying. You know what I mean? So, but uh, it's just so crazy. You know, I hear you. it's just one of those things where it's like it's so insane. You just. You don't even know how to even deal with it. It's like some things that uh, our president says. Um, you just like what? Like you know, if you read it on paper, you're like what? And then when you hear it out of his mouth, you're like what? You know, it's like <laughs> you know, it's like you know. Well, one thing is, you know exactly how he feels. He does say how he feels, so you don't have to guess. But um, going back to um, this situation. Um, well, yeah, that's true, too. Mm-hmm. We did hire a president where before... Hire a president. Uh, we did elect a president where before he was elected, um, we knew some of the things that he'd said, womanizing-type comments. Even womanizing-type t- comments directed towards one of his own daughters. Oh, so oh, yeah. we kind of knew he was a creep, and he still got elected. So it's almost kind of like, well, what does that say? <laughs> we elected a president that we knew was this womanizing, sleazy creep. 
Yes. Okay, now that I said that on air, are the men in black going to come to my door? No. <laughs> no, because like, it, it said so much now. I don't. I think they just would be so busy getting everybody. So, <laughs> But uh, no, but definitely well said. Uh, and the men in black is after you anyway for other reasons. So yeah, I know, right? Yeah. It, wasn't, it wasn't just the Trump stuff. It's the other stuff. <laughs> they're, they're out for you. But, um, yes. You know, uh, and, and something I want to get to, and you know, this is not to by any means demean any woman who's gone through such things, but I think it's important to put this on the record as well. Um, Terry Crews said something interesting, and and also actor James Vanderbeek. Um, Terry Crews talked about a year ago he was at a Hollywood function and a high level executive groped him in front of his wife. And, and, you know, he talked about how he, you know, wanted to beat him up, but thought better of it and him and his wife left. And I remember I was talking to a friend of mine and she's like, I don't believe that. I mean, he, you know, look at him. He's big. But these people are so powerful. They get off on that. They get off on, you know, especially a, an ultra masculine type man, you know, of making him submit to them, you know, sometimes sexually. So, uh, you know, so there are men that are getting it too. And uh, James Vanderbeek talked about the guy from Dawson's Creek. Uh, I think it wasn't he Dawson on Dawson's Creek. I never watched the show, but uh, I, think so. I think it was the main character, right? He talked about so. how older men, when he was, especially when he was younger, uh, would corner him and and try to have, make him have sex with him. You know, so and I, you know, I've talked to a lot of male actors who have stories, very simple, you know, similar stories to the, the, the ones that we're hearing from the Weinstein. And, and I'm talking about, I'm hearing these over the years. So this is not just like all of a sudden they're coming out of nowhere where men have talked about how producers, uh, you know, had them up to their house and he's thinking, you know, we're two guys, you know, and he's, you know, they're talking about, you know, you want this part? You, do you really want this part? You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, and well, then, and did mm-hmm. you hear about Shirley? I, I read an article about Shirley Temple. Oh, yeah. And them saying the real reason why she got out of, um, you know, film and acting was she was constantly being chased around some executive's desks. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very sad. Yeah. And she's a, a baby. And we can do a whole story, a whole show, I'm sorry, on uh, the pedophilia angle in, in Hollywood. And, you know, Corey Feldman, you know, came out and said the biggest problem in Hollywood was pedophilia. And, you know, there's this great documentary called An Open Secret. You know, uh, that's definitely something we could definitely talk about because that's a huge thing as well. And, and, because. Un- other Corey killed himself in Canada, right? Mm-hmm. Over this, he's claiming that I think his his parents or his mother, I believe, it doesn't want to say that's what it is. But Corey, I can see Corey knowing stuff that his mother may not have known, you know. So um, you know, and I don't see, I don't, you know, they were so close, and they were, you know, I, I would, I would really seriously doubt that he would lie on his dead friend you know what i mean right so uh yeah but i'm not i'm not surprised though you know it's you know it's rampant 
you know, the, the, the thing is, and the reason that this matters between men and women, that, you know, men can be just as subject to this as women is because, again, this is all about power. Right. It's not, this is not some deep, dark, you know, it's not a sex addiction. I guess that's, that's again, I just go back to this over and over again. This is not a sex addiction. This is about people using power in inappropriate ways, dangerous ways, ways that actually influence other people's lives for the rest of their lives. And, and every person who has a story of sexual harassment can pull it up in their head with most of them with vivid detail because huge moment in their lives and that is the core of why harvey weinstein is so incredibly this is why it's so disgusting because it is one of those things that's like we will probably never know how many people were actually affected because it was just such the guy had so much power and i again i don't know how to divest that sort of feeling of having that power over so many people, but somehow, you know, we have to come to that. Again, I think it comes down to the boards. I think the boards, there has to be something that says, you know, if this happens even one time, that there are, that there are measures that get taken that do not include payouts. I mean, I, I do, in some ways that just sort of baffles me why in this day and age would you pay out to keep someone silent when we don't live in that kind of society anymore maybe that worked 40 years ago but today right. I, I don't see how that's even an effective strategy so yeah yeah but people are still getting paid you know and then what makes it worse is there are some people that do um, tell a story about getting, um, you know, getting abused when it may not be true, right. and they are just looking for a payout. Um, and, and it's easy for them. It's easy for them, the people who do the paying out. I think, in a way, to have that cognitive dissonance, you know, to say, "Oh, she just wants a check. That's what she wants." you know here's some money you know oh you'll take the money you'll go away oh it really nothing really happened i think that's their way of rationalizing it in a way to where they can live with it if you will um and, and, and yeah there are people that are full of boo-boo who are not really you know victims and to me they're you know you know they do more harm to you know to actual victims you know because if it's ever exposed, you know, their lies, and then it makes the you know actual real victims uh, less believed, you know, because then people can people always want to use the exception to the rule to disprove the rule. You notice that, you know, it's like, oh well, there was that one person that was not, you know, truthful, so that means everything is not true, you know. So, um, but you know. Yeah. I, I do yeah. find it interesting, and I want to talk about the hypocrisy angle, because, you know, we're going to talk about everybody's favorite punching bag, Ben Affleck. Um, ben Affleck, who I think he needs to have a surgeon pull his foot out of his mouth, because <laughs> cause, uh, I swear his foot is always in his mouth, um, and he's always doing dumb stuff. I mean... Just for a guy who's 
seems to be pretty smart guy, a talented director. He's an excellent director. Not one of my favorite actors. I don't think he's a great actor. Uh, he's been in some stuff I thought was great. I thought he was great in Hollywoodland. He just keeps getting in these situations where you have to look at him like, is he playing with a full deck? You know, uh, you know the issue with his, you know, uh, che- cheating with his maid, for example, which to me that goes along with that Weinstein type behavior. You know, who have you know? You, it's a power di- dynamic, right? You you run the household. You're a wealthy man, and then you have the maid, much like the Arnold Schwarzenegger situation. Um, you yeah. have you have also. Um, the fact that when he when he did that special with um, with uh, uh, Skip Gates, and they found out that he uh, owned slaves, he tried to you know have that squash you know, and it just made the situation even worse. You know, you have to realize that stuff is going to come out right, and then he takes a moment to bash Bob Weinstein, where. I find it very hard to believe of all the people that worked with him in Hollywood that Ben Affleck did not know. Because Ben Affleck was very close to uh, Harvey Weinstein. And you know how those old men, those uh, good old boy clubs work. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. Yeah. And, and I, find, I don't believe it. I never believed I don't, it. And Rose yeah, McGowan I don't believe it, but... put him on blast. Rose, remember, Rose McGowan said, I came to you yeah. and told you. You know, mm-hmm. so don't act like yeah. you're sitting there acting like you're, you're shocked and, and surprised and appalled. You know, Rose McGowan, and I believe her. I believe her. Mm-hmm. I believe what she's saying, that she explicitly told him they had conversations about it. And, you know, he obviously chose to not do anything. So, uh, now you started to say something, Sherry. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, it's funny that as you were saying everything about Ben Affleck, you know, I never liked him. I always got bad vibes from him. So from a personal perspective, there was something that I just, I don't know. I don't like him in movies and it's not that he's not talented. There's just even more to it than that. There was just something that always struck me as, I don't know, just not right about him. And I don't know why, but I never really thought he was a decent person. He's not genuine. Like, he doesn't come off to me genuine. You know, yeah. like, some people wear their heart on their sleeve and you could just tell the kind of person they are. Like, Mark Ruffalo, I would be surprised if he found out that he was not who who he appears to be, right? Yeah. You know, he yeah. seems like a real stand-up guy. Like, if, you, if, if someone came out and said Ben Affleck murdered 10 people, he was like a closet serial killer... I know this is extreme. I wouldn't be that surprised. Like he seemed like he got a dark side. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if it's that extreme, but I'm just saying like, you know, like Mark Ruffalo, for example, if they said, you know, he didn't kill like 18 people, you know, on the weekends, he was murdered. I would been, I'd be shocked, you know, Yeah. Ben Affleck, he does have that. He does give me that vibe. And, you know, like I said, I don't dislike him. You know, like I, I think he's a talented guy. I, I like his stuff. Um, you know, uh, definitely as a director, the town was amazing. Um, you know, Argo was great, uh, but it's something never something like you said. There was something that 
always didn't sit well with me. And um, even going back to like the J Lo stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, um, you know, and then this recent stuff with his his uh, soon to be former wife, um, you know, I, I just never he never sat well with me. And uh, you know, the whole thing with Kevin Smith, uh, you know, uh, how he distanced himself from Kevin Smith. I don't know if you guys know about that. Uh, the director Kevin Smith, who basically birthed him. Him and Matt Damon. Like, literally, yeah. Kevin Smith is the reason why Matt Damon and Ben Affleck are where they're at. Ben, if you go back to early, you know, Kevin Smith, Kevin Smith continuously put Ben Affleck when he was nobody. When people would say, why do you keep putting this guy in your stuff? Kevin Smith always believed in Ben Affleck. I saw him on TV programs. This is before he was a star. Said he will be a star. I believe in this kid. When they wrote the Goodwill Hunting, no one else wanted to do it. No one wanted to put them in it. He championed it, got it made for them. Right? And Ben Affleck, the th- this is how he thanked him. <laughs> you know, he distanced himself from, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, once he got big, you know, he, you know, and to me, that speaks volumes of how a person is. Now, yeah. he might have done something we don't know about. You know, I don't know. But just from what I can see on the outside, because he speaks all, even with that, Kevin Smith speaks so highly of Ben. Even the fact that he goes, you know, he just doesn't mess with me no more. You know, but he still talks him up. You know, he's like proud of him. He's proud of his success, even though, you know, it is what it is. Like, I, I saw something that was so, and I, I'm, I know we're off the subject, but I, I wanted, I've been wanting to talk about this, and then we'll get back on it, because uh, I know the comments, it'll be like, hey, you off the subject. Um, <laughs> but um, I saw something that was so pathetic. I saw Kevin Smith, who's doing a sequel to the movie Mallrats, that was like one of the, Ben Affleck's first starring roles. Literally, dang near begging him to do a ten-second cameo in the movie because they're you know because all the other cast is coming back for the movie, and he's literally like, man, all you got to do, you know, we set it up, you can you can shoot it at your house, you know, like he's like begging him to do a little cameo in his movie. I'm like, wow. I'm like, uh, you know, it's bad stuff that you make. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you owe that man your life. <laughs> you know but I you know sometimes people are like that when they know they owe you yeah you know but uh and he never says it though he never says when they ask him he you know he always says you know he would have been made he'd have made it you know without me you know even he lying no one believed in well, Ben Affleck yeah. but Kevin Smith was the only person that believed in Ben Affleck I don't think his mama believed in him like Kevin Smith did so, but that but that I never met mm-hmm. to people like that before. So there are people who are like that, where they're cool with you while you're helping them, but then once they made it, it's not that they're hating you or anything, but they're like, oh, okay, I got it now. Mm-hmm. Okay, you can let me go. You can stop holding my hand. I got it now, and. Sometimes if you go back to them at that point and say, hey, help me out now, they'll basically tell you, hey, you're so smart. You help me make it. Help yourself. Mm -hmm. There are people who are like that. 
And yeah, I mean, I've had people do that to me too. But yeah, sometimes a person is a nice person and they have integrity and wouldn't talk, turn around and talk bad about them just because they did that. Right. You know, I, I think I think the thing specifically with well with Ben Affleck, but with people like Ben Affleck, is that when you are in the public spotlight, you get a certain amount of credibility. And if you start eroding away at that, you know, one chance, two chances, three chances, baby. But when you really start eroding that base of, yeah, you're a credible person or you seem disingenuous, you lose it. And it's really difficult to come back from. So, you know, and I know that this is one of those like super specific things to being or having a public profile it's not always that you are a bad person. It's that you behave in a way with the public that says, you can't trust me. Or one minute I'm gonna tell you one thing and the next minute I'm gonna tell you another. Or I am just going to behave like a bad human being. And when you do that stuff, whether it's intentional or not intentional, there's only so much forgiveness that you can get out of the public sphere before that's gone. And then you don't get a chance to get it back. And and some people really pick that up and get it and learn from their mistakes. And some people just continue on that same road, like Ben Affleck, of, hey, you know what? I don't really care what you think about me. I'm just going to go ahead and do this stuff because this is what I want to do. I, like, he just doesn't seem to learn the lesson of your star power only goes so far. It does not excuse you from being a good human being. Right, and you know, and and Matt Damon, he he's had his faux pas too, and and we're and we're all human, right? We make our, we you know, we do things that, um, you know, we make mistakes and do things that are not above board sometimes, but and, and you know, Matt Damon's definitely stuck his foot in his mouth as well, and done some things, but you know, I, I get a more genuine feel from Matt Damon than I do Ben. And I think a lot of, like, one thing you can definitely look at is their paths post-Goodwill hunting. You know, like, the choices that Matt made were way smarter. You know what I mean? Like, it was much more smarter than uh, Ben. You know, he went definitely a much better route to get to where he's at now. And um, But, you know, like I said, I, I don't dislike Ben Affleck. You know, I, I thought he was great as Batman. And... Uh, <laughs> it was not saying much, but, uh, you know, and, um, you know, I'd like to see, you know, him do more, you know, great work because I know he's talented definitely to do it, but this is not a good look. He should have kept his mouth shut, <laughs> you know, like, cause then all the, those videos started surfacing of him being inappropriate and all of that stuff. And, you know, it's like, you know, he, when he groped the girl and then he's doing the thing with the the, uh, the reporter and stuff like that. So, you know, my thing is, you know, unless you got a clean record, you probably should just be quiet. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like you should just be quiet. You shouldn't, uh, you know, you shouldn't uh, chime in or at least come clean. You know, like, you know what? I've done some things I'm not proud of. You know what I'm saying? At least, you know. Get ahead of it, you know, <laughs> just in case some, you know, some people start coming at you, you know. But uh, you know, 
yeah, or uh, or you or you act contrite, right? I mean, right. like you actually give sort of contrite, uh, whatever it is. You 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 act in a way that says, hey, you know, I'm actually worthy of some forgiveness here, and you you don't go off and and sort of double down on everything that people are. And and again, you know, it's being in the public spotlight. I have to highlight that because average human beings as we go along in our everyday lives we know each other pretty intimately well but when you are in the spotlight people don't know you they don't know you personally so again you know you get a pool of sort of like you know here's how many gold stars you get and once you use up and tarnish those gold stars remake a name for yourself mm -hmm. yeah. now now I want to step away from the, uh, my bashing of Ben Affleck uh, segment of the show. Uh, he's getting it already a lot, so I'll just leave that to the rest of the internet. But, um, you know, there's this whole thing about uh, who knew what and who knew that. And, you know, I, I know George Clooney has come out and he said that it's not fair for people to accuse people of knowing or not knowing or something. And I'm like, yeah, it is. It is. I think it is fair because, like I said, to me, the enablers, the people that sat up there and drank cocktails with him while he probably was telling about what he was doing, you know what I mean? There should be a witch hunt for those people because to me, they're just as bad. Those, you know, uh, those are like I'm the. I'm not sure, though. Do you mm -hmm. actually do the witch hunt for them? I mean, or. I mean, because, okay, what if you were in the position where you could back somebody up because you knew something, you're like, oh, okay, this happened to you, okay, and you told me that I'm going to have your back too, and now I'm out of a job too, now I'm never going to work again, now I've been blacklisted, now I may be, okay, as the type of human being I am, I may be okay with that. I may actually be okay with that because I may be feeling like, okay, even though I'm never going to work in Hollywood again, I know I did the right thing. But do you really think most people would do that? See, I wasn't referring to people in that position necessarily. I was more so referring to people who are on like his level or somewhere close okay. to where they could do the right thing. And it's not gonna affect them that much, like those people. I would say so. Oh, okay. like, I mean, like, I, like executives. Yeah, or like a, a George Clooney, for example. I'm not. I don't know how much he wouldn't have known, but just using him because he said it. Like I, you know, George Clooney could do that. He could do that. He's in a position to do that. Brad Pitt, who both of, apparently uh, Weinstein wanted women that slept with Brad Pitt because he went after uh, Angelina Jolie and Gwyneth Paltrow. Uh, he probably went after Jennifer An Aniston. That, now, that's just me saying that. I don't know if that's true or not. But uh, um, before someone uh, says that, I I'm saying that happened. But I'm just saying, though, he knew. You yeah. know, he knew. He could have said something. You but know? I see them as a part of that now. You know what I mean? Right. But don't act shocked. Don't act shocked and don't act like you don't know. That's my problem. Is don't come out now, 
and it'd be like, man, I can't believe, like, you knew. What are you talking about? Don't act shy. And you know what? There's that video that now is resurfacing. And Jen, tell me if you know if you know what I'm talking about. Where I believe it was the Oscar uh, Oscar nominations for like best female, uh, I'm sorry, best actress or something like that. And um, the comedian, uh, Family Guy guy, uh, Seth MacFarlane, is uh, he read the nominations of these ladies, you know, in this category, and then he says, "Congratulations, ladies." Uh, this was in 2012. He said, congratulations, ladies. Now you no longer have to pretend to be attracted to Harvey Weinstein. And everybody in the audience laughed because they knew what they, he was talking about. You, have you, did you see that clip? I didn't see that. Yeah. So, come on now. Yeah, because everybody knew. I mean, then also this, the same thing with the, with the 30 Rock stuff. Mm-hmm. The 30 Rock stuff surfaced, too, where there were a bunch of jokes that were innocent, innocently made, slipped into the script, because that's how iconic that is. It is, it, yeah. And you're, you know what, Kinte, you're totally right. You, the It's when when people are in a position, if they do it, then this is where we have to somehow set the record straight and to me it's it becomes really difficult to make the differentiation between the abusers and the people that encourage people to be abusers simply by enabling those people to continue to be abusers how is that any better right like i i know uh, um i know a guy who you know he's uh he's a black guy but he's like very light-skinned right he's not even mixed but he's just very light-skinned and uh, he used to be a, a, a caddy um, in Utah, of all places, right? And he would, you know, be a caddy, and a lot of people assumed he was white, right? And he wouldn't correct him or anything. So, being that they thought he was white, they would a lot of the men that would come there, and there's mind you, there's no black people even around. They would say the most insulting things about black people and use the n-word and talk about how they hated black people and all this stuff right now mind you the person that's telling me this is not like a militant brother you know he's a guy that you know the reason why he was in utah because he was with his you know his caucasian friends he was like the only black person in the group and they were like they were backpacking all through united states you know young men doing and you know so it's not like he's like this mat this uh militant brother who you know, sees racism everywhere or something like that. And he said he would, they would just talk this crazy, you know, racist talk. It it happened so often, but he would never say nothing. Right. And then, and then, um, the thing that sent him over was one day it was these two white businessmen and they had a black guy with him. It was a businessman and they were all three of them were golfing together. And, when he would like go ahead because his ball was hit ahead or something like that, then they would say those horrific things about the guy they were golfing with. The guy that when they were all three together, he they acted like they were best friends, right? And then when he wasn't around them, they would say all this, you know, this the N word, this N word, that. So he couldn't take it no more. So he tells the men that, you know, I'm, I'm an African-American. And then they got quiet. So they, they cut it all that stuff out, right? So this guy, this young man, he was, you know, in his early 20s at this point. So he 
at the end of the day, his boss calls him in and tells him that they were letting him go. And the reason why they were letting him go was because he didn't disclose that he was black. So he allowed them to not know that he was black and put their foots in their mouth. And now they don't feel comfortable coming back because they feel awkward now because they, you know, he heard all this conversation. So they were, you know, important paying clients. So, you know, the boss was like, you know, I can just get another caddy, you know, so they let him go. And I think he, he was saying how this was like the first time in his life where he really saw like racism, you know, because before, you know, he hangs out with white guys and, you know, and all of that stuff. So what I'm saying is, you know, I don't know if that the, the guy that ran that place was felt the same way, probably did. But he looked at that situation of now, mind you. They told him. It's not like he told them. He didn't even mention it to his boss what the situation was. They told them they were saying racial stuff, you know, around him. And he was more offended that he didn't disclose that he was black. And that that's what got him fired. You know what I'm saying? So who, you know, who's the worst person in that situation? The Those people who you know, was saying those vile, horrific things or the person who enabled them because he wanted their money. See, me, I don't want people's money who are disgusting like that. You know what I'm saying? I'd rather not have their money. You know? Right. You know, you got to make a line in the sand and say, you know what, certain behavior... Like, I don't want to be friends with someone who thinks, like Harvey Weinstein, that that stuff is okay. You know what I mean? I don't want to work with them. I don't want to be in their movies. I don't want to, you know, hang out with them. You know, if someone, if a man thinks like that and who has that kind of power and abused it in that way, that's not somebody I want to be involved with, you know? Mm -hmm. And you have to take, you have to take that kind of mindset and approach. And I understand you have a lot to, you know, it's one thing, you know, when you have millions of dollars potentially on the line, you know, your decision-making is obviously going to be different. But if we can create a climate where that stuff is not cool no more, like, I'll give you an example. Um, Mothers Against Drunk Driving. You guys remember that? Oh, yeah. Now, I'm not saying there was a time where it was, you know, absolutely cool to drink and drive. But times were different. Drinking and driving wasn't necessarily the ho- horrific thing it is now, right? Right? I'm, I'm not saying people don't right. drink and drive still, but I'm just saying there was a time where it wasn't seen as bad. Now, yeah. if if you like, if you're at a party and your friend is st- staggering and trying to make it into the car, you're gonna go crazy, right? Yeah, because the way that that was changed was there was a push by society, by mothers against drunk driving, by to say, you know what, this is such a problem. We have to make a stance. And although it didn't eradicate the problem, but, you know, it's a lot different wouldn't you say. I would say definitely. I mean, it's changed. It's a lot harder 
um, for people to, I mean, even up on the uh, those billboard type signs when you're driving down the highway and it tells you if you suspect that somebody that's driving near you is drunk, there's this number you can call, this three-digit number, mm -hmm. right? So, yeah, a lot has changed because um, uh, groups like Mothers Against Drunk Drivers, I remember the high school I went to, there was this car that was like totally beat up and burnt out that they had sitting near the front lot of the school that some kids that were driving drunk had gone to an accident and got killed and they had that sitting up there with the sign on it, don't drive drunk. So I, I do remember back when I was in high school, the push was really big, really huge to stop drunk driving. That's right. And yeah, eventually it did take effect. You know, it did take hold. I mean, it took a little while, but it did take hold. But, you know, and I do think something needs to be done. Um, definitely. I mean, because people shouldn't, people shouldn't be allowed to feel like this is just the nature of it and they can get away with it. Right. Um, click it or ticket, you know, put on your right. seatbelt, you know. Um, right. Also, uh, another thing, too, is the movie What's Love Got to Do With It. The movie What's Love Got to Do With It changed um, domestic violence a lot. It was a movie. Think about it. Jen, have you ever seen What's Love Got to Do With It? About Tina Turner? What? Have you ever seen What's Love Got to Do With It about Tina Turner? Uh, I think so. That movie changed the way we saw domestic violence. Now, I'm not saying there was a time where it was okay to beat up your wife. I'm saying that it wasn't like now. You know what I mean? That movie came out. It totally changed the perception of abusive people, you know? Um, like, it made you like a monster if you laid your hand on your wife, you know? Now, like I said, it's, it, oh, didn't, yeah. it, it didn't eradicate it. But it definitely, it changed the way that we thought about domestic abusers. You know, like there was no reason. There was not, There was no reason to lay your hand on your wife, right? That was acceptable. You know, it, here this is the thing that I hear most often. What I hear most often is people say, "Well, there's no way for us to eradicate, get rid of, deal with whatever." Um, you know what's going on in Hollywood that's just that's out of our control part of the reason that i said what i said at the very beginning although it wasn't related specifically to hollywood is this has to start as a societal movement right we have to tell hollywood specifically this isn't acceptable and very similar to our talk the other week the only way that we can do that is by saying it with pocketbook matters mm. if if a film gets boycotted, it's not just the bad press that kills, you know, the studio, that makes the studios uneasy. It's the amount of capital that they then have to put into defending whatever it is that they're defending afterwards. And if we as a culture said, look, when these things happen, if you guys don't address it, this is what we're going to do. We're going to not, you know, we're not going to see your films. We're not going. And I, I know that there is a lot of implication to that, but it, it, it is so important that our entertainment not 
be at the expense of young women women and men at any age it is so inappropriate that our entertainment is done at their expense i i'm all for putting yourself totally into your craft i'm all for taking some risks and you know maybe you break your hand i don't know i mean the, there are some real consequences to doing some stuff in hollywood but one of them should not be having to subject yourself to abuse and the only way that we are going to fix that is by saying to the people at the very top uh-uh this does not fly and not only is it not acceptable but we can't accept it and again you know like you said that it's it starts somewhere mad started do you remember those red <laughs> that used to stick on the red ribbons mm -hmm. stick on yeah. your car Mm -hmm. I mean, awareness has to be sort of the biggest part of how, and so in that way, man, God bless Twitter, because all of the people who come out on Twitter and can say this stuff and, and, and put voice to what's happening, we need to actually look at that. We need to look at what is going on without, with, sort of without conferring judgment, but also conferring judgment on the people that need it conferred on. Does, does that make sense? No, it makes perfect sense. Because it's real, you know, a lot of times, you know, and I, I'm been real judgmental tonight. And please forgive me. I'm a judgmental kite cat. But, um, you know, sometimes, though, to be honest, to, to be fair, it, it, unless you're in that situation, it's very hard to decide what you would do. Now, I'm the kind of person that like to believe that, you know, I, if I'm in the right, if I'm in a certain situation, I'll do the right thing. But, you know, I, you know, I, I think we have to leave some room for that. So to be fair, right? But, yeah, for sure. But if you, you know, my thing is like this is the time is now. Like, I like the fact that some of these other guys are, are being exposed you know what I mean? You know, it seems like some of the walls are closing in on some of these people. Now, are they going to get everybody? No. Are there some people that's going to escape because they're in a situation where, you know, possibly they can't be touched? I don't know. You can possibly. But the more people they can, you know, they can bring down and make this stuff stop. And what I would say to men who don't see this as an issue, because there's some guys out there who you know, they think it's much to do about nothing or whatever they may think is think about it selfishly. Think about when you release your daughter into the world, you know, I mean, cause that, that's the way that we can always, uh, get people, you know, to see things like be selfish about it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, well, I, I, for a very long time, um, been that person that felt that Hollywood and that whole, that whole area, that whole thing, whether you call it Hollywood, the entertainment industry was the devil's playground. Mm -hmm. I've been saying that probably for more than 20 years is that that's how I felt. And that, I mean, I can remember telling friends 20 years ago how, yeah, I always kind of wanted to be an actress because I used to model and I did theater acting. But I used to tell friends, I just don't know because I know really what's going on there. 
And I don't know if I can be knowing who I really am. I don't think I can really make that move and stick both feet in something that I know is not good. Mm-hmm. But some people wanted it bad to the point where they weren't willing to make the sacrifice, sacrifice something that they knew they were meant to do and would be good at. And I don't think anyone should have to sacrifice it. But we are living in an era where not much stays hidden. You'll notice for the last, I don't know, 10 plus years, how easily things have been coming to light in all areas and industries. So I I think that things are going to continue coming to light because now people are kind of getting more empowered. They see something like this happen. They see people start to speak up. I think it's going to help this to kind of keep going. And I think that we're going to have more instances of people being put out there and you know what I mean? They're crap being you know, put in the news and then being called on it. I think there is going to be more and more of the this Harvey Weinstein thing happening, which is good. It's, um, yeah, it's great. Because like I said, I, I know too many women who can definitely relate to this story. And it's sad. It's really sad that, that you know, that's not something that you want for anybody to have to you know to go through so you know like i said think, think about it don't you wonder oh why we haven't heard more um stories about you remember lorena bobbitt oh yeah unfortunately <laughs> yes one of my you least wonder favorite stories. why in these instances we don't hear about more people like literally losing it and doing something like that you know what? If if somebody decided to lop off uh, a person like his uh, junk, I you know, and I'm not a. Let me first say I'm not a big proponent of uh, chopping off the member <laughs> as a guy. But you know, in his case, uh, you know what? I might have to. I might have to be okay with that. <laughs> but uh, you know, let's not make this a thing, though, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not make this a thing, uh, lopping off yeah, the, no. the member, the, the gold member. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> but I am surprised that something, for as long as this has been going on, that something crazy like that hasn't happened. I, you know, I don't because, mean specifically because that, women, but it, it, it's because women, and, and especially women that need high, powerful men to do things for them are lulled into that sense of I if I do anything I'm I'm screwed I'm in trouble if I if I don't do something if I do something what whatever it is and it's that compromising attitude it's the attitude that we give our kids when they're growing up this is the reality of how we are as a society we have to change that we have to tell every single girl that is growing up who aspires to be an actress and a model that that kind of behavior is not acceptable that they can be empowered people to take control over their own body and i have to say that you know 
saying that sounds great in my head and it makes me really proud. Oh yeah, you know, this is that. But the reality of it is when you're in that situation, I can't say that I don't think that people who are normally very empowered people do not cave into it because the power is just so big. Well, I was actually talking about not not all these people are stable. Not everybody who is out there acting is a stable, emotionally and mentally stable individual. But in all this time, you know what I mean? That's what I'm saying. I'm saying I'm just kind of surprised that in all this time, somebody who kind of was on the edge there hasn't totally flipped. That this hasn't pushed some, some woman over the edge. I mean, think about it. The, yeah, the pressure they're already under. I mean, if it was me, I mean, I can't even imagine where my head would be at. And I'm a pretty stable person. I just find it hard to believe that this hasn't totally, like, pushed somebody over the edge and made them so unstable that they did something drastic. You know what I mean? And, yeah, people, the women need to be empowered, but sometimes they're so busy trying to, um, you know, get ahead, make it to show the people who didn't believe in them who didn't believe they could do it. It's very hard. In that industry, a lot of your friends are already, even your friends are telling you, oh, it's gonna be almost impossible. You're not gonna be able to do it. They're trying to show people that they can do it. They don't wanna then have to turn around and feel like, oh, now I'm gonna go and, not that I say I, I look at it this way, but, oh, now they're probably thinking I'm crying about this and I'm whining about how tough it is for me. No, a lot of times they're probably not speaking up because it's already been hard enough, their own friends not believing they can make it. Right. No, you're 100% right. I, I definitely agree. Yeah, and then a lot of a lot of people like they come Sorry. out here. They could, yeah, yeah. Your kids are being murdered by uh, Jason, uh, but um, no. Um, a lot of times people come out here with three dollars in their pocket. They come from Idaho or wherever, and they have no choice but to make it because they have no. A lot of times they have no place to go back to. A lot of times, you know, like you said, the family is. They think, you know, the when they left, their family's like, yeah, we'll see you. We'll see you in, like, you know, in, in about a month, you'll come back, you know, and they don't, you know, they have no choice but to make it. So that's a very desperate situation. And I always say that Hollywood is not a meritocracy. You know, it's not a situation where, like, if you're a doctor and you go to college and then you go to medical school, chances are you're going to become a doctor. You're going to get a job at a hospital. Hollywood ain't like that. You could go to the best schools and study under the best masters and you may never really work, you know, and it's all about who, you know, it's all about who you, um, you know, uh, the relationships that you, you forge. And, you know, if you can get a cheat code, <laughs> you know, which, uh, is, you know, you know, maybe sleep with the right person or whatnot, then, you know, some people take it 
and other people unfortunately are forced to uh, do things that you know they would ordinarily not do and it's very it's very sad that that's what the case is you know but um you know like i said it's not just hollywood of course but that's what we're talking about today (laughs) do you think that um women women that go to hollywood that are willing to do it willing to sleep with somebody to make it are making it harder for the the ones who are getting abused and don't want to be abused hmm, that's you know a, what i mean that, that's a great that's a great uh statement too that you just made because i you know i i believe yes because there's let, let me let me make something clear there are women who are totally fine with sleeping with someone to make it in all not just hollywood of course but in all walks of life and if you tell them if you tell them what i just gotta sleep with this guy and i can make it you know they'll do it you know and unfortunately some people who probably deserve it lose out to people who are willing to do it and there's men that are willing to sleep with whoever to make it, you know, as well. Let's be fair. Um, so that doesn't help at all because what what ends up happening is it just sets up this pay for play situation where it's not based on merits. It's based on who you know and who you blow, you know, and it, it's unfortunate that the girl who just comes out here, the guy who just comes out here who just wants to work for what they have, you know, um, unfortunately, a lot of times gets uh, left behind, and it's it's really sad. Right, but the but the but the 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 issue underneath is nobody is just entitled yes. to use power play over another person for sex. That is the big thing, and and I don't just mean even, I don't mean just sex in and of itself i mean using that power dynamic in 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 whatever sexual overtone is is there sexual harassment is systemically always about having one person having power over another so whether one person is is let's say that you had a relationship where you were willing um and then you move on to another uh, another person and then that person you're just expecting that well they're going to behave like the the person that was willing it's that sense of entitlement that we have to fix. Um, we can't, that some people are willing to do anything for anything. And that shouldn't be any part of this issue. Because the issue is all about whether or not you are entitled to take advantage of your position to put another person in a vulnerable position and then the ramifications of that. That's the issue. Well, I, because well, I think this not. gets money. Yeah, of course not. But everybody, I think, kind of, we know that this isn't how all this should work. We know that nobody should be in the position to do this. No matter what sex is, what's dealing with what sex. You know what I mean? No one is, should have this kind of power over person, no matter what. That's why it's, it is good that it's coming to light. I do think it coming to light um, like it is this time, I think it will continue to happen. I really do. But yeah, I mean, you do have to try to empower people 
not to go this route, um, to be strong enough not to go this route. Well, well, we also got to mention something too. A lot of, well, I know how the men's psyche, male psyche works, right? And I, I believe Chris Rock used to do a bit on this. Men, uh, oh man, I've, my frozen face looked kind of strange. I'm um, sorry about that. Um, men want power. Men want um, money. Men want fame and acclaim to get women. So that's like our end game. You know, like uh, Chris Rock used to say that if we could still pull women and live in a cardboard box, we would. <laughs> you know what I mean? So there's this mentality that we have is like we want to be powerful so that we can use that power. I mean, I'm not saying all of us want to do that, but I'm just saying like we want that power because women are attracted to power. Right. I'm talking about not even from a, a sexual uh, um harassment thing but you know women do like powerful men right and so there is a mindset of accumulating power so that you can use that power to uh, to either get women in his case in to compel women to have sex with him and I think that's you know part of the issue there you know is the mentality which is you know going back to even uh, the guy Andy Senor from uh, Screen Junkies he, you know, is this nerdy guy who got in a position of power and he was like, I'm going to use this power to get laid. You know, most guys said, if you ask most guys, what would they do with their Jedi power? If they had Jedi power, it's something sexual. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's, it's, a, it's it goes into the psyche, you know? Uh, it goes to the psyche of how people think, you know, it's like I can get power because then I can get these women to do what I want or whatever like that. And that's part of the issue, right? Uh-oh, did I, did I lose you? No, I'm here. Oh, okay, I was about to say, well. I don't, I don't know. Are you saying it's, it's a testosterone thing? No, I, what, I mean, I'm, what I'm saying is, I'm not making excuses. I'm just saying that's mm -hmm. part of the mindset for a lot of a lot of us men is to we want to accumulate power so that we can use it to to get the opposite sex. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I guess I understand that. I mean, I'm not. Um. <laughs> I, I mean, I've never been necessarily attracted to somebody just because they had power or, you know, but I don't know. It's like, I've seen it where it'll be like the, you know, behind the scenes at McDonald's. You know, the guy who's like the head manager is getting like the, all the ladies, you know, it's like, because he's the boss, you know, like believe it or not i've seen it even on that level you know and uh you know it's really interesting yeah. it's a very interesting dynamic and and i, I noticed that women women seem to be attracted to 
you know, men in powerful positions. But then, yeah, there, there's a reason that the phrase "power is seductive." It's not just about the power; it's about what the power does for you. Mm-hmm. Right. It does. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, of course I want to be president, and then I get all. You know, I can get all the women to come to the White House and sleep with me. You know, <laughs> you know. So uh, that's I guess that's why they say with great power comes great responsibility. So yeah, I don't think that everybody that has not everybody that has power not is everybody. using it, but you, but it's like it's crazy because what makes it so unfair is that all it takes is a small percentage to abuse power to just ruin everything. Mm-hmm. LBJ, LBJ, uh, LBJ, the president, LBJ, he used to say at state dinners, he has come online and women would be, you want to do something for your country? (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty clever and creepy at the same time. (laughs) Yeah, it is kind of creepy. It's kind of creepy. But you know, one of the first is, one of the first de- defenses that Weinstein gave was, well, you know, I'm a guy from the '60s and '70s, and you know, the rules have changed, and I'm just somebody from that era. I'm like, you know, I'm so sick of people saying, well, you know, Grandpa, you know, he's a racist because you know, back in there, those days, it was okay. I'm like, no, it's, it wasn't okay then, and it's not okay now. <laughs> like, no, there's no excuse. I don't want to hear, you know, I don't want to hear, oh, well, like somebody said, uh, that reporter who, um, who accused Cam Newton, uh, uh, who Cam Newton, the football player said, you know, what, what he said about, you know, he kind of disrespected her or he disrespected her. And then when they found out that she had these racist tweets from like three years ago or whatever, the excuse was, well, she was only 20 when she wrote those. It's like, so? <laughs> like, that's no excuse. She's only 20. You know, like, they put 14-year-olds, they try 14-year-olds as adults. <laughs> you know, like, what are you talking about? You know, 18-year-olds go to war. <laughs> you know, someone being 20, being too young is not an excuse. You know, I'm, I just don't agree with that, but... You know, it's just, it's really interesting uh, what people will use to defend, you know, BS. But we've come to that part of the show that we have to say goodbye. This was such a great show. I mean, uh, we could continue on forever, but I know that uh, you guys got to go to sleep and I got to eat. Uh, So I'm going to start off with you, Jen. Uh, How can people get you in social media? And um, is anything going on with the blog? Is it up and running? Jen. Okay, we're having some technical difficulties. Uh, Sherry, are you there as well? All right, so we're having technical difficulties. Uh, that's what you gotta love live radio. So I'm going to say goodbye for both Jen and Sherry. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, you can get me at Kente F on Twitter, um, and you can get Sherry 
at following I'm sorry, uh Jen at following bliss one. Uh, I don't know Sherry's Twitter handle, um, but we'll put it in the oh, show that. notes. Oh, is that Jen? Yeah, that's me. Oh, okay. Uh real quick, uh tell us everybody how we can follow you and tell us about the blog. Uh is the blog uh, ready to go? Uh, well, it, I mean, it's still in active production, so I've got a bunch of new articles up there, but I'm adding a whole bunch more. Uh, that's criticallaughs.com, two L's. And you can catch me on Twitter at followingbliss1. When are you going to do the expose about, you know, Kente being such a great uh, basketball player? You know, right after we hang up this, I am totally going to get right on that Kente. It's been <laughs> on my mind for months now. You know, that smells like bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I thought she sounded sincere, though. Oh, right. Right, right. I, I, I did. I, I, I love, thought she I sounded lo- really I love you, sincere. Jen. I love you, Jen. Not in a uh, sexual harassment way, but in a uh, in a um, you know. Oh, you mean? Did you really go there? Not in a Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, not way? in a Harvey Weinstein way. Okay, uh, I love you as, and uh, I'm a Christian, and I love everybody. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sherry. How can people get you in social media? And uh, also, too, uh, are you gonna? You know, it's funny. I, every time I say, every time I say, also too, I have somebody who always gets me for saying that. So, uh, okay. So, how can people find you on social media? Plus, when is your podcast coming back? Um, I'll answer the latter question first. Actually, I don't know yet. I haven't figured it out yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm hoping within a month or two. Um, you can find me at SherrySpeaks.com. Um, or on Facebook, um, uh, facebook.com slash I am dot Sherry Andrea. Uh, I think that's it. Um, and, um, you can just, I, I'm Sherry Andrea everywhere. So if you just put in Sherry Andrea, you know, whatever social media you're on, you're on, that's what it is. And can I get a quick reading real quick? Will... My Dodgers defeat the Chicago Cubs in the NLCS. I think it's going to be the Cubs winning. You know what? You don't don't trust this lady. She doesn't know what she's talking no, about. No. Okay, this is, I'm just telling you what, what I'm getting. Um, I'm seeing the Cubs on top. Whatever. I did. I'm sorry. I, I, I got your back, Kinte. I got your. I'm back. sorry. I don't but, think but let me say. I could be wrong because I haven't been that great in the past at like, um, you know, when people, you know, ask me who's going to win this, you know, am I going to, you know, am I going to, you know, make money or lose money if I go to the casino? I haven't been good at reading those things. So I could be wrong. All right. Well, real quick, I'm thinking about switching to Geico. Should I? No, I'm just playing. I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> no I'm geckos. kidding. There is never. No, geckos bite. There's never, there's never not a good reason to switch to Geico. I mean, come on. That's just a no-brainer of a question. You should have led with that question. You entire podcast about that. You got to love the gecko. All right. So they're not paying us. So um, you can get me at Kente F. You can go to our, that's on Twitter. You can go to our website. 
uh, which is indyradio.org. Uh, right now, um, unfortunately, our website was hacked, and they're currently working on it. Hopefully, in the next couple of days, the website will be up and running. So if you go there, and it's right now, currently, you can't go to the website. Um, that's what's going on. So uh, I hate it. I hate hackers. They suck. So... You know, I just wanted that people know because people have been asking me, well, "What's up with the website?" It's, yeah, these. I, I mean, it was up for a while again, and then they had to come down. So that's one of the thing, sucky things about having a website that every once in a while they will attack you. So, um, but it, other than that, you guys have a great rest of your Friday the thirteenth, and of course your weekend. Um, and Harvey Weinstein, if you're listening, I just want you to know you're that I am a huge fan. of of all the people that are condemning you right now so <laughs> so rest in hell uh and uh we'll see you next time right here oh next week we're going to be doing the top five fictional movie u.s presidents so uh on tv and movies by the way um so if you like david palmer from 24 if you like uh you know uh, air force one uh, Harrison Ford's character, or maybe you're a big fan of um, of the president from Deep Impact, played by Morgan Freeman. Uh, we're gonna all have our list, our top five list, and we're gonna um, go one by one. So, uh, Jen, have your list of your favorite movie and TV presidents. So it it can be either one. It could be all movie. It could be all TV. It could be a mix, mix mash. Uh, Sherry, if you want to jump in and have some fun. Uh, we're going to be going through our, our favorite movie presidents. So, uh, I, you know, I already know who my number one is, but I will not say it until next week. But uh, it should be uh, very interesting. So that is next week. We're going to do a lot of top five and ten lists coming up as, as well as topics. So, um, but uh, we'll see you next week. So peace and blessings.